0: Chapter 19 of Robin Hood, by J. Walker McSpaden. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. How the Sheriff held another shooting match. To tell the truth, I'm well informed. Yon match it is a while. The sheriff I know devises this us archers to beguile. Now the sheriff was so greatly troubled in heart over the growing power of Robin Hood that he did a very foolish thing. HE WENT TO LONDON TOWN TO LAY HIS TROUBLES BEFORE THE KING, AND GET ANOTHER FORCE OF TROOPS TO COPE WITH THE OUTLAWS. KING RICHARD WAS NOT YET RETURNED FROM THE HOLY LAND, BUT PRINCE JOHN HEARD HIM WITH SCORN. "Pooh," SAID HE, SHRUGGING HIS SHOULDERS, WHAT HAVE I TO DO WITH ALL THIS? ART THOU NOT SHERIFF FOR ME? THE LAW IS IN FORCE TO TAKE THY COURSE OF THEM THAT INJURE THEE. GO, GET THEE GONE, AND BY THYSELF DEVISE SOME TRICKING GAME TO TRAP THESE rebels." and never let me see thy face at court again until thou hast a better tale to tell. So away went the sheriff in sorrier past than ever, and cudgelled his brain on the way home for some plan of action. His daughter met him on his return, and saw at once that he had been on a poor mission. She was minded to upbraid him when she learned what he had told the prince. But the words of the latter started her to thinking afresh. I... "'I have it!' she exclaimed at length. "'Why should we not hold another shooting-match? "'Tis fair year, as you know, and another tourney will be expected. "'Now we will proclaim a general amnesty, as did King Harry himself, "'and say that the field is open and unmolested to all comers. Belike Robin Hood's men will be tempted to twang the bow. "'And then—' "'And then,' said the sheriff, jumping up with alacrity— WE SHALL SEE ON WHICH SIDE OF THE GATE THEY STOP OVER NIGHT. SO THE SHERIFF LOST NO TIME IN PROCLAIMING A TOURNEY, TO BE HELD THAT SAME FALL AT THE FAIR. IT WAS OPEN TO ALL COMERS, SAID THE PROCLAMATION, AND NONE SHOULD BE MOLESTED IN THEIR GOING AND COMING. FURTHERMORE, AN ARROW WITH A GOLDEN HEAD AND SHAFT OF SILVER WHITE SHOULD BE GIVEN TO THE WINNER, WHO WOULD BE HERALDED ABROAD AS THE FINEST ARCHER IN ALL THE NORTH COUNTRY. ALSO MANY RICH PRIZES WERE TO BE GIVEN TO OTHER CLEVER ARCHERS. THESE TIDINGS CAME IN DUE COURSE TO ROBIN HOOD, UNDER THE GREENWOOD TREE, AND FIRED HIS IMPETUOUS SPIRIT. COME PREPARE YE, MY MERRY MEN ALL, QUOTH HE, AND WILL GO TO THE FAIR AND TAKE SOME PART IN THIS SPORT. WITH THAT STEPPED FORTH THE MERRY COBBLER, DAVID OF DONCASTER. MASTER, QUOTH HE, BE RULED BY ME, AND STIR NOT FROM THE GREENWOOD. TO TELL THE TRUTH, I'M WELL INFORMED YON MATCH IS naught BUT A TRAP. I KNOW THE SHERIFF HAS DEVISED IT TO BEGUILE US ARCHERS INTO SOME TREACHERY. THAT WORD SAVORS OF THE COWARD, REPLIED ROBIN, AND PLEASES ME NOT. LET COME WHAT WILL. I'LL TRY MY SKILL AT THAT SAME ARCHERY. THEN UP SPOKE LITTLE JOHN AND SAID, COME, LISTEN TO ME HOW IT SHALL BE THAT WE WILL NOT BE DISCOVERED. OUR MANTLES ALL OF LINCOLN GREEN, BEHIND US WE WILL LEAVE will dress us all so several, they shall not us perceive. One shall wear white, another red, one yellow, another blue. Thus in disguise to the exercise, will go whatever ensue." This advice met with general favor from the adventurous fellows, and they lost no time in putting it into practice. Maid Marian and Mistress Dale, assisted by Friar Tuck, prepared some very colored costumes and gainst the fair day, had fitted out the seven score men, till you would never have taken them for other than villagers decked for the holiday. And forth went they from the greenwood with hearts all firm and stout, resolved to meet the sheriff's men, and have a merry bout. Along the highway they fell in with many other bold fellows from the countryside, going with their ruddy-cheeked lasses toward the wide-open gates of Nottingham. So in through the gates trooped the whole gay company, "'Robin's men behaving as awkwardly "'and laughing and talking as noisily as the rest, "'while the sheriff's scowling men-at-arms "'stood round about and sought to find one "'who looked like a forester, but without avail. "'The herald now set forth the terms of the contest, "'as on former occasions, "'and the shooting presently began. "'Robin had chosen five of his men to shoot with him, "'and the rest were to mingle with the crowd "'and also watch the gates. "'These five were Little John, Will Scarlet, Will Stutley, Much, and Allen Adale. The other competitors made a brave showing on the first round, especially Gilbert of the White Hand, who was present and never shot better. The contest later narrowed down between Gilbert and Robin, but at the first lead, when the butts were struck so truly by various well-known archers, the sheriff was in doubt whether to feel glad or sorry. He was glad to see such skill, but sorry that the outlaws were not in it. Some said, if Robin Hood were here, and all his men to boot, sure none of them could pass these men, so bravely do they shoot. I, quoth the sheriff, and scratched his head, I thought he would be here. I thought he would, but though he's bold, he durst not now appear. This word was privately brought to Robin, by David of Doncaster, and the saying vexed him sorely, but he bit his lip in silence. Ere long, he thought to himself, WE SHALL SEE WHETHER ROBIN HOOD BE HERE OR NOT. MEANTIME, THE SHOOTING HAD BEEN GOING FORWARD, AND ROBIN'S MEN HAD DONE SO WELL THAT THE AIR WAS FILLED WITH SHOUTS. ONE CRIED BLUE JACKET, ANOTHER CRIED BROWN, AND A THIRD CRIED BRAVE YELLOW. BUT THE FOURTH MAN SAID YON MAN IN RED, IN THIS PLACE HAS NO FELLOW. FOR THAT WAS ROBIN HOOD HIMSELF, FOR HE WAS CLOTHED IN RED, AT EVERY SHOT THE PRIZE HE GOT, FOR HE WAS BOTH SURE AND DEAD. Thus went the second round of the shooting, and thus the third and last, till even Gilbert of the white hand was fairly beaten. During all this shooting, Robin exchanged no word with his men, each treating the other as a perfect stranger, less such great shooting could not pass without revealing the archers. The sheriff thought he discovered, in the winner of the golden arrow, the person of Robin Hood without pair adventure so he sent word privately for his men-at-arms to close round the group but robin's men also got wind of the plan to keep up appearances the sheriff summoned the crowd to form in a circle and after as much delay as possible the arrow was presented the delay gave time enough for the soldiers to close in as robin received his prize bowed awkwardly and turned away the sheriff letting his zeal get the better of his discretion, grasped him about the neck, and called upon his men to arrest the traitor. But the moment the sheriff touched Robin, he received such a buffet on the side of his head that he let go instantly and fell back several paces. Turning to see who had struck him, he recognized Little John. "'Ah, rascal Greenleaf, I have you now!' he exclaimed, springing at him. Just then, however, he met a new check.' "'This is from another of your devoted servants,' said a voice, which he knew to be that of much the miller's son, and THWACK! went his open palm upon the sheriff's cheek, sending that worthy rolling over and over upon the ground. By this time the conflict had become general, but the sheriff's men suffered the disadvantage of being hampered by the crowd of innocent onlookers, whom they could not tell from the outlaws, and so dared not attack.' while the other outlaws in the rear fell upon them and put them in confusion. For a moment a fierce rain of blows ensued. Then the clear bugle-note from Robin ordered a retreat. The two warders at the nearest gate tried to close it, but were shot dead in their tracks. David of Doncaster threw a third soldier into the moat, and out through the gate went the foresters in good order, keeping a respectful distance between themselves and the advancing soldiery by means of their well-directed shafts. But the fight was not to go easily this day, for the soldiery, smarting from their recent discomfiture at the widow's cottage, and knowing that the eyes of the whole shire were upon them, fought well, and pressed closely after the retreating outlaws. More than one ugly wound was given and received. No less than five of the sheriff's men were killed outright, and a dozen others injured, while four of Robin's men were bleeding from severe flesh-cuts. Then Little John, who had fought by the side of his chief, suddenly fell forward with a slight moan. An arrow had pierced his knee. Robin seized the big fellow with almost superhuman strength. Up he took him on his back, and bare him well a mile. Many a time he laid him down and shot another while. Meanwhile Little John grew weaker and closed his eyes. At last he sank to the ground and feebly motioned Robin to let him lie. "'Master Robin,' said he, have I not served you well, ever since we met upon the bridge? Truer servant never man had, answered Robin. Then if ever you loved me, and for the sake of that service, draw your bright brown sword and strike off my head, never let me fall alive into the hand of the Sheriff of Nottingham. Not for all the gold in England would I do either of the things you suggest. God forbid, cried Arthur a bland, hurrying to the rescue, and packing his wounded kinsman upon his broad shoulders, he soon brought him within the shelter of the forest. Once there, the sheriff's men did not follow, and Robin caused litters of boughs to be made for Little John and the other four wounded men. Quickly were they carried through the wood until the hermitage of Friar Tuck was reached, where their wounds were dressed. Little John's hurt was pronounced to be the most serious of any, but he was assured that in two or three weeks' time he could get about again, whereat the active giant groaned mightily. That evening consternation came upon the hearts of the band. A careful roll-call was taken to see if all the omen had escaped, when it was found that Will Stutley was missing, and Maid Marian also was nowhere to be found. Robin was seized with dread. He knew that Marian had gone to the fair, but felt that she would hardly come to grief. Her absence, however, portended some danger, and he feared that it was connected with Will Stutley. The sheriff would hang him speedily and without mercy if he were captured. The rest of the band shared their leader's uneasiness, though they said no word. They knew that if Will were captured, the battle must be fought over again the next day, and Will must be saved at any cost, but no man flinched from the prospect. That evening, while the sheriff and his wife and daughter sat at meat in the mansion house, the sheriff boasted of how he would make an example of the captured outlaw for Stutley had indeed fallen into his hands. He shall be strung high, he said in a loud voice, and none shall dare lift a finger. I now have Robin Hood's men on the run, and we shall soon see who is master in this shire. I am only sorry that we let them have the golden arrow. As he spoke, a missive sped through a window and fell clattering upon his plate, causing him to spring back in alarm. It was the golden arrow and on its feathered shaft was sewed a little note which read, This from one who will take no gifts from liars, and who henceforth will show no mercy. Look well to yourself. R. H. So ends Chapter Nineteen